it was about that milestone that he was going to be able to, I hope I don't get emotional. We have been told all his life, no, no, no. I needed him to understand what the word yes is. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. Hey, it's Danielle. Welcome to Black Educators Matter. Our goal is to share the stories of 500 Black educators. We will celebrate the impact and achievements, learn from the lessons and challenges, and highlight the important roles that educators play in all of our lives. I'm excited to welcome today's guest to our show. As a do now, please tell us your name, your role in education, and answer the question, why do Black educators matter? My name is Takesha Lindsay. I am currently working as a paraeducator. Black educators matter to me because I believe students academically uh, perform well with having the representation that they see in front of them. Um, I believe children, because they, they see teachers in front of them and also uh, predominantly uh, educated people in that liking, that gives them encouragement to definitely strive to uh, see what they believe. They they're at see what is in front of them because they see it, it's, it's reachable. So that is so important for uh, our black educators to just really notice that for themselves, that we count to these children. What is a paraeducator? A paraeducator is a teacher assistant. We are there to help in the classroom bring structure. We're here to help bring not just reduce down behavior in the classroom, behavior management, to able to bring in SEL skills. Anywhere that's needed, we fill in to do small group instruction. We're there to be one-on-ones. We're, if that's in the general ed setting, but if we go into the therapeutic uh, schools setting, it was it would be in the same thing, doing small group and instruction, making sure we spend one-on-one time. If the child is severely disabled, that would take more of a paraeducator and that's, you know, washing them up, changing diapers, feeding them. It depends on if the child can swallow. So we might do like pureed food um, and and just doing different activities. As a paraeducator, I was able to do job coaching. So that's for the high-functional children um, to bring them into the community and to teach them how to work a real job bringing them into the stores, let them work that into the store. So just, it's a whole building of a a community of children that will not be left behind. So when there are students who are diverse learners, they can be paired with a paraeducator and this person will help that student navigate the classroom setting from kindergarten all the way through high school? For paraeducators that's working inside the special ed um, department, really in a therapeutic side, we do not release those children to their 21st birthday. So I am a parent of a a diverse learner. My son will be 21 (laughs) in September. So with that, I definitely had a a great experience with that. Um, He uh, was the reason why I came to education. Tell us about that, especially your experience as a parent of a diverse learner and pursuing becoming a paraprofessional educator to support students. How did you go from supporting your son to now supporting other children? Okay, it, it, it hit personally uh, to me, um, not just from my son. I'm from the area of Chicago Heights, and in 
the area that I'm from in Chicago Heights is called Beacon. It's called Beacon Hill, and in from the foundation that I grew up, we stayed in this house. It was a lot of us in this house. <laughs> in this house, I had a family member that was an uncle of mine. He passed. He was um, a diverse learner. He was CP. If uh, for people that do not know, he was wheelchair bound. So he was literally he could not talk. So um, I watched my family and my grandmother. I helped her feed him. I helped her change his diaper. I helped her entertain him. And so I felt this love in my body. I'm like, wow, how, even though he cannot communicate, I want to learn how to communicate with him and other children that did, do not know how to communicate. Because I knew as a kid, even though he could not talk to me, I made him laugh. And so it was certain things that we did at certain times of day. He know he knew that I was coming. He was like, okay, it's 12 o'clock. She's coming and I'm coming to play with him. And I absolutely did. As years went by, um, I got pregnant. And um, unfortunately, um, it was a blessing in disguise. My son was born a diverse learner. For me, I was really, really young, struggling with the fact that I didn't know how to deal with being a, a diverse learner's parent. Um, and I say that to the form of I struggled him still not using the bathroom at eight, nine years old and didn't have anybody to talk to about that. Also, because he was born with facial features um, that was different than other people. One eye was different. So me coming out into the world, I, I believe if I was had somebody to talk to as a resource, me coming out to places, me being a young mother, I would look and say, you know, going to restaurants, oh, my God, what are they looking at? What are they looking at? And, you know, and I would get so upset. But if I was taught and I had someone to teach me, it, it shouldn't have even worried me because my first thought should have been my son. Are you okay? How do you feel? Are you comfortable sitting here? Are you comfortable eating here? You know, being more attentive to him because he's the one that's in the situation. You know, I'm just here to help him grow to get through it. So, um I noticed as he was growing up, he couldn't communicate again as other children did normally, quote, quote, uh, as a nine-year-old, a 10-year-old. And I knew I was hindering him. And, and if you don't mind uh, me discussing how I hindered him, um, he can talk, but it wasn't on uh, the detail level that we, we know as normal. So I would ask him, um, you know, hey, hon, do you want chocolate ice cream or vanilla ice cream? And... I really didn't give him a chance. I just chose chocolate because that's what he always, you know, and I just noticed one day he didn't want the chocolate. He wanted the vanilla ice cream. And then I started noticing other things that I was like totally kicking him out of being an independent person. And I just knew that something was right. I needed help. So I decided to um, go work at my son's school. <laughs> so um, me doing that, he had physical therapy. Um <clears throat> occupational therapy, speech therapy. And so they were telling me all these incredible stories that he was doing at school. And I'm like, oh my God, he does not do this at home. What are they talking about? So I decided to um, come in, not as a paraeducator first, but just come in as subbing. So I came in as subbing and I, um, I stayed there for a while. I loved it. Um, definitely working because it reminded me of what I grew up with learning how to work with children that cannot verbally talk to you, but still be able to teach them. And then to prove over and over again that these children have their own personalities, they are independent, and <laughs> they are willing to learn too. So just taking that, um, I decided to go ahead and go into the school, and I ended up getting hired, and I stayed. So, um, you know, 
I don't think people understand um, being a diverse learner's parent. You have so many people inside a room with you and you're just the parent and you're sitting there by yourself and they're telling each each person is speaking, the occupational therapist, the speech therapist, the physical therapist. And because he has vision problems, now I have the vision teacher there and then I have his special ed teacher. So I'm just sitting in the caseworker and they're all giving me these beautiful, huge summaries about my son. And to be honest, I didn't understand a thing that they were saying. And then, but no one was there to talk to me and bring me through. So I just sat there and I went through it. I was like, you know what? It's not getting any better. My son is still struggling. So let me see. So watching the physical therapist bringing me playing it off and um, bringing other students to that area, I was able to see what the physical therapist did. I was able to see what the occupational therapist did. I was able to see what the speech and also with the vision. So all the things that I was watching them do, I took those same keys home and I took those home and I integrated them in my household and I put it on my son's lap and I said, Hey, unlock it. And we work and, and just to, uh, to push other parents, it's fine. It's okay. If your goal for today is to learn how to put on that shirt today, that is fine. You do the best that you can. It's not going to take a day. It's not going to take two days. It might take a week. It might take a month. But if that's your son's or your child goals, period, it is okay. He's going to move in that milestone. I don't think a lot of people that have a, a normal, what they call normal, understand a big milestone for us. You know, like him putting on his pants is like, yeah, you put on your pants all by yourself. So tomorrow we're going to put on the pants, but we're going to do something different. We're going to zip it up today. Now he has conquered the zipper it up. Now we're going to go to the next step. Now you're going to put on your pants. You're going to zip them up. And now we're going to button it. So everything, every step of the way was things I seen them do with him. So as time went by, um, because now I'm working there um, and I'm sitting at the IEP, the IEP table and I understand everything that they're saying because I'm doing the same work that they're doing with them at home. Um, and and our communication, it was the biggest thing was to let them know as uh, his educators that I am on your side. Whatever you have for me to take home, please tell me, please teach me. I don't know. So I took everything that they did. Um, time went past. I went to the principal and I said, hey, um, can my son get tested to get out of this school? It was a therapeutic uh, special educate, educated school. And she said, no. And I was like, wow, no. So I asked again. She told me no. And so I was like, okay, now I'm worried about my job because I work here now. So I had to go to the union and say, hey, if I ask, and again, can my son get tested out of this school while I lose my job? And they said no. So they approved it. He went through. And guess what? He took the test and he passed. He made it. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Everything that I was doing with him, it worked. And I had proof to actually show the things that I was doing work. My next step after that, for me, it wasn't about he passed the test. It was about that milestone that he was going to be able to, I hope I don't get emotional, but he was going to be able to dance at a prom to be able, you know, all of us have had that experience, even though I am a millennial, we're just going to keep it right there. But <laughs> <laughs> we have all had that 
that experience Valentine's Day that we're able to take that that card or that uh, candy and send it to the next person in the next classroom or, you know, just that high school feeling of those um, type of events. I knew him being in that school and in, in that setting that he was not going to experience that. So as a parent, that hurted me so much. And I was just like, I really want him to experience what, like, bowling club is, going to turnabout, what about prom? And... We have been told all his life, no, no, no. I needed him to understand what the word yes is. Come on, mom. Come on, mom. (laughs) What the word yes is. I wanted him not to just feel it and know it. I wanted him to know how it feels without mom being there. Mm. What yes is. So I refuse to be a hindrance to him anymore because one day I realized that he was going to be a man. Are we... Am I going to continue the same behavior on, or either am I going to am I going to step him up? And I chose to step him up, so I can grow him up and get him out. So you know, um, <laughs> that was some of the things that I definitely I just I'm very very grateful that uh, I had uh, I had that experience and I was able to bring that to other people. So that type of thing that I was able to bring into the other classroom definitely got me noticed really fast. So I ended up getting a lot of autistic um, kids and that that's more behavioral because my approach with them, because I was a mother already dealing with a child like this. I, I had great, great responses. So as time went on, I decided to, after he left the school, he graduated high school Congratulations. Um, <laughs> from um, general ed high school, but he was in a special ed classroom. Okay. Um, but for him to have that high school experience, also just to think about it, he has been through so much and I didn't want him to go through much more. Uh, at five years old, he already had three surgeries. Most adults have not even been through that. So um, I stopped again. Like I said, I'm sorry. Let me get back to it. <laughs> I did stop. I um, went back to just go back to school for a little second. Then I ended up coming into an awesome program. I was asked to join the Chicago Bar Association. We met up in an intense, tense, 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 very, one of the most intense trainings I've ever uh, been through at John Marshall Law School downtown. Uh, we stayed there for a while learning these intense practices. But in the end, it was very fruitful. I learned how to run and facilitate and coordinate <laughs> the restorative uh, circle. Uh, and I know how to also run the peace circle. Um, for people that might not call it the restorative circle, it's still the restorative part that these children need to know, period. I started out with the restorative justice. We would go into all the Chicago schools. It was an after-school program. Uh, and we would teach restorative practices. Um, it what was really nice about the situation, because we can we come from a generation of being millennials. Yeah. And I don't know about other millennials, but I, I, I always have felt my all my entire life I had to prove myself yeah I have to prove myself I have to prove myself we do come from a generation where they they did label us as crack babies and I I, which is sad because I'm not a crack baby (laughs) and I'm going to keep proving and keep proving and keep proving and keep because that's what we want for our children yeah um so with that just how can I say it trying to prove myself me going into the Chicago schools with the judges and the lawyers. The judge had their own classroom. Uh, the lawyers, they partnered up and they had their own classroom as well. It's it's really, really awesome to see. To just to come into the schools to teach the children 
different ways how to handle real life situations without putting your hands on anybody. And also just to introduce to them the, the strict liability law. It hits so much home because kids are now like really realizing if I'm playing outside with my friends and I pick up a rock and I bust somebody's window, oh my goodness, my mom or my father can get in trouble for this. They're going to go, they're going to take action legally. And you know what? They can end up losing their house or a, pro a piece of property, anything. It could be their car, their, their means of them to make money for their family. So it hit home because most kids, of course, they laugh, they play, they joke, but they do not want you to tell mom and dad what is going on at home. So once they realize like, oh my God, my mom and my father uh, will find out and I can get in trouble and somebody can take my mother to court because it's my fault. It just made the children be really reflective. Like, you know, I think a lot of times that uh, as adults, we pause and say, oh, I'm not going to tell the children that maybe we should we shouldn't talk to. No, these children are very smart. That is the problem with half of our society. They do not think that these children are ready. I know more children that know how to do things online than I could ever imagine. Absolutely. And I mean, five minutes. These kids are teaching me stuff. So stop putting limits on our children. Stop putting limits on our community. No, talk to these children. They totally understand. And the awesome thing about it, what we're teaching these children about these practices and we're teaching them and we're telling them, hey, you can do the same thing at home. So they're bringing this same thing home. And now the houses, every house that these kids are going to, they're bringing this information back home. And so now their parents are conscious. And now the parents are reaching out and saying, I thank you so much. I, I don't know what you did, but that strict liability law, they talk about that all the time in the house because they say, mom, mom going to get me if the police come my way. But it was just um, the understanding that they, they needed. If I, that's the story or the uh, example that I need to give for them to have the comprehension that this is serious and we can choose other ways, it is awesome. But also, I feel like we're choosing the right choice or pushing children to be problem solvers. I feel like and we're living in a society right now that everybody's very sensitive. They're very sensitive and they're quick to tell on other people. Well, we have to teach what we want them to do. We want them to be problem solvers. <laughs> so it's teaching them to be problem solvers. They're teaching them to be trustful of each other because that same person they might have had that problem with, well, this restorative practice it just made them have more of a relationship. The classroom is easier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're not having um, problems in the classroom. Behavior management is down. It's a great atmosphere. Now conducive learning can happen. We shouldn't have any, we should have a whole 45 minutes of instruction without any problems because we have, we have set a, a standard that everybody has the same expectations. Nobody's lower than the other. If someone else is down, we're going to pull them back up and we're going to turn around towards the right direction. But at the same time, I take it serious because the children is like, you know what? They trust me. They never had an opportunity to talk to some of these students before. But now they do, and they're like, you know what? I got to bond with them, and they trust me. So I got to—I have to be his friend because they trust me. So I come into the school. I teach the program. I start stepping back, teaching to the staff, teaching the staff how to step back and let these children run this program. Let them run a the program. Let them build the trust. Let them be problem solvers. One thing that I will say that is very clear throughout all of our conversation, you really believe in empowering children and giving them, and advocating for them. And <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is obvious. Like your that clearly influences 
your relationships with kids. And that will show the fact that you respect them in spite of age, ability, size, what like that's incredible. Like you treat every single student like they are fully whole. And a lot of times we don't treat kids like they are. First of all, we don't treat people like people are whole, but we certainly don't give kids that benefit. Talk to me about like the shared identity and connectedness you have with kids. It's obvious because of the relationship with your uncle and then with your son, how you connect with diverse learners. What about in your other settings? Have you formed relationships with students who are not um, special education students? And is that the correct term? Because I know it has changed. What is the term? It's it's diverse learners. (laughs) Um, It's definitely diverse learners now. Um, Some people definitely still attach to the old phrase um, special ed, and, and, and that's fine. For me, um, yes, I definitely seen the connection with uh, the children. For me, it was because I seen me in in, in every single one of them. Um, believe it or not, I had a time in my life. <laughs> I was the one that made the teacher frustrated. I was the one that did not understand what the teacher was listening, was teaching, and I didn't comprehend it. So I bothered everybody else in the classroom why she was teaching because I didn't understand. So I didn't want to read in front of others. I didn't want to talk in front of others. Lord knows I did not want to do a math problem in front of anybody else. So That cold calling is anxiety provoking if you are not the one that wants to perform in front of the class. (laughs) That is not okay. (laughs) Right. And so that's what made me... uh, definitely identify and just see I said oh my goodness that person that little one that's me and you know it goes more much more deeper for me and I'm speaking from an educator slash mommy side we have seven days in a week seven days in a week five of those days I am with your child that means from like seven to eight hours I am with your child you trusted me my you trusted me with your baby So I'm going to love on them just as much as you're going to love on them. With eight hours in a day and five days a week, how could I not develop a relationship with your child? I can look at every class that I have for the last three years. Mind you, I'm a multiple parent at home because I have multiple children. And I had over 28 kids in in the class every year. And you got a new baby. I'm sorry? You got a new baby. Yes, I have a new baby. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll be two next month. And yes, that's a whole nother one because I haven't had a baby in 10 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, just for me to be in a classroom with your child, how could I not develop a relationship? How could I not love them? I can literally look at each child in my classroom. And even if we're in a group of a group of people and I can tell, I say something's wrong with you. I can look them in the face without words even being spoken and say, I, what is wrong with you? And they say, how do you do that? I said, because you know I talk to you. You know I know when something's wrong. Just building up on relationships. But I also do practices in, in SEL um, and social-emotional learning where I, what I do with them. Um, one of the practices uh, is called, <laughs> what do you don't think I know about you? So each person gets to stand up and tell somebody in the classroom, just bringing them closer together. In the classroom, mind you, this is SEL time. So whatever we're talking about, you can't tell anybody else because it's our trusted moment together. It's our trusted time. No other teachers, no other adults. Our rules are to 
that they can't go back and tell the kids in the other classroom. They can't tell parents because we're telling personal secrets. This is our personal time. I definitely feel if you, the environment is there, they know they're in school. Well, let's change the atmosphere to it's a loving, trusting connection. They said, Miss Lindsay, you don't know us. I'm like, yes, I do. So they said, you do it. I did every person in the classroom, told them something about their self that they did not think that I knew. And I, it hit and the next year I did it again and the next year, and, and you know, um, the parents even reached out to me because of that. And they're like, oh my God, I don't know what you're doing, but my kids talk about you all the time and everything that you do in the classroom and those rules you put in the classroom, those are the same rules in my house because they're telling their, their siblings, you can't not do that. That is not okay. You treat people how you want to be treated. And um, <laughs> that's something that I, I definitely work on, but also just uh, building that trust, building them up. You know, we have to build them up as if they're our own. Seriously. Um, I tell every single one of them, one day you're going to be public speaking. I make them get in the front, go speak in front of everybody. Why? because you're gonna be a public speaker. You always say that, because one day you're gonna be in Paris and you're gonna call Ms. Lindsay and you're gonna say, Ms. Lindsay, I'm speaking in Paris. And I'm gonna say, I told you so. And here I come, I'm coming. I, told, I tell every single one of those children every year, I'm coming. If you do it, I'm gonna be there for you and I'm coming. You, if, you, if anything, you're gonna see my face and my smile because I've been preparing you for this. You are great, you will be great. And the same thing that I just, I say all the time, the way that somebody treats children, <laughs> it's going to uh, it's going to spill out. Even if you don't think it's going to spill out, it's going to be an action that end up involving something's going to come out, and it's going yeah. to be seen. So, as far as our, like our black education, it's about what we're putting into the children. So, I I think and I reflect to myself that I do everything that I could today to make sure that Katie wanted to be a teacher today. Mm -hmm. Did I do something inspiring to her? Did I make her smile? Did I make her laugh? Did I say something encouraging to her when she needed it at that moment? Because we have them for so long, but we don't know what's going on in their households. This is just one of many stories, and we want to keep the conversation going. Follow us on Instagram at blackeducators.matter and visit us online at www.blackeducatorsmatter.com. Now, back to our conversation. It's clear that you love the babies and you love on all of your students. You talked about before you started working in education when you were a parent and you were sitting at that table and you had your son's team of educators all talking at you and you didn't understand what they were saying and it was you wish that you had somebody to talk to mm -hmm. how has your relationship with parents evolved and grown since you become a paraprofessional educator i believe uh, in that aspect it has definitely turned uh incredible it's incredible because i i definitely believe um us as educators, sometimes people look at us and think that we are not human. We don't have, we don't go through the same things. And, you know, um, that's not the life that we have. And sometimes I have to literally tell the parents, like, no, I'm a mother. You know, like, they're like, you have kids. I'm like, yes, I have children. You know, <laughs> I have two kids that's graduating in May next month from for senior year. And they're both going to college. So I'm 
telling parents, like, no, I have a diverse learner. I have two kids that's getting ready to graduate, you know, college, and I'm trying the best as I can as well. But the communication is there. I let all the parents have my cell phone number, period. They can have my cell phone number. They can call me on any time and any time that they need. They should know that it shouldn't be past 8 o'clock. But right. if, it so, if it so happens to be because it, it's because something happened. Um, I try to keep that relationship even. Um, they tell us to, uh, as all teachers, to make sure we reach out to parents. But I really try to do that every day. Even if that child had a breakdown, I have to let the parent know. Like, you know what? He had a little rough time after lunch. You know, I just want you to just monitor him. You know, I'll see how it goes again tomorrow. But I just wanted to let you know this is something that, you know, he had a problem with through the day. And so, yeah, I think just being realistic, relating to them to let them know that you're human, too, and communication. But once you really are, it's all about the heart. Yeah. Let's just say this. It's about your heart and it's about your intentions. Yeah. If the parents know that your heart is right and your intentions are right, they are going to make sure that they're there to help you support their child. And even the ones that was not on board, about time I was done with them, they were on board because I was calling them every day like, I need you. I just want to tell you, I need you today. You know, engaging the parents as much as I can. Engage them enough to where it was a personal relationship that they were calling me. The fathers are calling. The mothers are calling. Some parents were even calling at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, God, you know. (laughs) Right. But it was the relationship that I really sold with them. That was something that's very important. I need the parents to know I'm on your team. I'm not trying to argue. I'm not trying to bicker. I need your help to help me. I need you to help me to make Travis better. Yep. What are you doing with Travis at home that I can take into the classroom? And so I'm going to show you some things that you can do with Travis at home. Yep. You know, um, some engaging things. Let's do do a small group with them. You know, do 20 minutes at each station, something fun to do, but it's still interactive. It's still engaging. It's something that's challenging them on an academic level. How do you feel? I know this this question is going to sound foolish, but we've been on lockdown. People have been out of schools for about a month. How do you feel about your students and their educational experience at this time being home? Oh, God. Um. And I'm, I'm speaking from being honest as a parent of my own. I'm kind of worried. <laughs> I'm very, very much worried because if the parents are not watching the children um, and, and, and just watching them every day, like, okay, by 12 o'clock, you should, at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, you should be done with all work, all things, all the targets that you need to hit for the day, including maybe even if it was chores. You know, the thing is, they are giving out laptops for every student online. I met, what is that? Xfinity is open for everybody. There's no reason, no excuse for these children not to win right now. All the educational free resources they're having right now. They're having classes even for adults that's free right now. Everybody should be able to right now to like plan and get their self uh, developed for the next when we come out. You know, um, so right now, for me speaking from a mother, my house is not doing the best. My kids, I'm like, what are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm on a game. I'm like, did you do your homework today? Yes, I did the homework. But as a mom, you can hear a child. Yeah, they can say everything. I'm going to grade book. I'm going to grade book. I'm going to go check to see if you're lying. And if you are, well, you're going to have these consequences because they need to feel the same way. They shouldn't be sleeping all day. If you have to be at school at 7.50, you're going to get up at home at 7.50. Okay, we're going to make sure all these work, all the work is done. <laughs> 
and after that, it should be a little bit more uh, in the house because I have uh, children in the house. We do a lot of stuff together. So, like I said, I can do in my house uh, the, the the centers. We have a coloring, you know, but even though I have a younger one, I have an older one, it's the same skill. I'm just challenging them on different levels. So I can still have that that station going, 20-minute switch. We go to another engagement, another engagement, and then, you know, we can just keep going. As long as you keep the kids engaged and you make it fun and, and not like I'm in school, yeah. oh, no, you can still have them being a lucrative learner at home. Who is a, a black teacher that you would like to thank? So it could be someone who really poured into you when you were a student. It can be someone who helped you understand the impact you were having on your uncle as you were helping him as you were a young person. Or it can be somebody that helped your son. Or it could be a colleague right now who, you know, really, you know, helps you develop. But So who is a black teacher that you would like to thank? I would like to thank, her name is Mary Hurt. I did not, unfortunately, get to meet her while I was in high school or in elementary. I definitely believe if she was in my life at that time, I would definitely be on a whole nother ball game. I definitely believe it would be in education, but um, she challenged me to the limits. Um, when she first met me, when I came into special ed education, she would tell me, she's like, wait, don't go up to that stage. You just can't. <laughs> and she would just tell me, like, you can't do that. But at the time, she didn't know that I was a parent of a diverse learner. So she would come into the room and she she would be like, how are you working with these students? i never seen a sub come in here and work with these kids the way that you do. And all of them trust you and they love you. And I was just like, it's my personality because I really like them, you know. <laughs> and, but I'm but you. You knowing me, I'm always goofy, I'm always laughing, but we have to have boundaries and structure with it. And and that's one of the things that she definitely taught me um, to believe in myself. She said, you got it, won't you do it? And, and every time that I've said, no, I don't know if I can do it, she's like, no, you got this. I've been working in education for years. And um, she was someone that I just definitely looked up to in special education. Like she was a great special ed teacher. I really, really admire her just for pushing me and challenging me. I don't think that I would push it further to challenge myself to not just be a great, try to be a great mother, but also try to be a great educator. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Miss Lindsay. Um, it has been fascinating to learn about you. It really is all about the heart. I've seen you work across organizations. I've seen you deal with high schoolers and elementary school students. And it is true. <laughs> it is all about the heart with you. You have mm -hmm. an ability to connect with students in that classroom and help everybody feel safe and empowered to try. So I thank you for sharing your love language um, with families and students and parents. I thank you for being transparent with your own journey. I think lots of parents of students who either have been identified as a diverse learner or that have not yet been tested, I think are really anxious and afraid to even have that conversation. So with you talking about your story and how you felt and what you did about it, I think will give hope to people who are experiencing that as well. Thank you. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Yes, you have always been supportive. Um, sometimes I believe you did catch me on one of those days. I was like, you know what? I just need a five minute break. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, you have definitely seen a great outcome. Um, definitely from uh, tra transitioning from the parent side to head teacher 
oh my goodness, it was just one of the most incredible experiences uh, ever to have. And just to have that from the parent, the paraeducator, and to the head teacher, just to see all three dynamics and um, to really pull that SEL and that restorative justice out. And, every, you know, the, uh, it was administrators that was sending other teachers to the classroom and say, hey, just come and sit in our class for the behavior management. I just want you to see the atmosphere in this room. <laughs> Yeah. So whatever, I've, I, all the things that I tried to put together, I've been trying to teach other teachers how, because we work with so many teachers. Let's be honest. Like, can we be honest right now? Do of you mind course. <laughs> Please be honest. They're saying that, let's be honest, they're hiring quality educators, quote, quote. Okay, we're getting quality educators. You're right. But where is the integration with you knowing how to work with children? Okay, I have a problem with that. You are sending my child inside the classroom with somebody for five days out of a week, seven hours, and they can't stand children. But you're bringing in quality educators. I have a problem with that. Because they have their license. They have their teacher (laughs) license. They may not like kids, but they have their teacher license. Yes, and and that's what bothers me because we have to think about uh, integrity, honesty, and truth integrity i need you to be truthful do you really like kids is it okay for me to put my class my child in this classroom with you um so one of the things that i'm seeing that's really really bothering me as a mother and now coming from the from the parent to the teacher i was able to see a whole new ball game we're we're letting teachers in that's not trained okay let's be honest they're coming in straight from school most of them are not parents and that's fine but give them training how to work with kids. Do not give them um, the regular college credits of working with um, psychology for children and um, child here, child, uh, what is that? Child development. One on one. Yes. Okay. We're not going to do that. You, yes, you have that training, but where is, what does it look like in a classroom? How does that happen? Um, how do we help that teacher bridge along the connection and the gaps that she was never taught if she was taught that or he was taught that it was from a standpoint from another family member that's maybe a cousin or something so i'm watching teachers that do not know how to deal with children and they're writing reports and the writing report becomes a paper trail a paper trail turns into what an iep now we have children that's sitting inside special ed classrooms it's i'm bothered by that because you now this same young man is about to transition to sixth grade, but now he's transitioning to sixth grade with this IEP. Now his confidence is down. He doesn't want to be in a classroom. He's fighting. They're having behavioral outbursts inside the classroom, but nobody doesn't understand why. Because because this child was getting on his teacher's nerves, he has a report put on him. So now they're saying, whoa, we have to stop the prison pipeline. Yes, we can do that, but that's going to have to start from administration. That's going to ha- that's on leadership. You're hiring the people, but what are you doing to put in place to have families and parents to feel secure that this teacher is okay with my child? I, they need to learn the restorative practices. They need to learn the SEL. They need to know that they're independent and they are human. These children count and matter. These, every single one of them, every single one of them, they count and they're mad. they matter, period. So... In the end, what are you going to say? 20 years from now, are we going to have the whole world full of diverse learners? So you're telling me the next couple generations are all going to be diverse learners. 
are you freaking serious? No, that is not okay. Because now you're not just having these boys just drop out at, at high school. They're dropping out in eighth grade. Our young men are dropping out in eighth grade because somebody else put an IEP on them because they did not understand them and they couldn't catch it. It was just might have been a behavior for that week. Did you ever inquire to call the mother and see, is something going at home? Is everything okay? So I'll, if it's okay, I'll give you a prime example. Um, 2017, I had a, a diverse learner in my class um, that no one really kind of wanted to deal with. He is a sweet, sweet thing. He was kind of bounced around from room to room. He came to me. I built that relationship. I built that relationship. I got this boy to trust that I am going to be here for him. We are the one of the most consistent things in this child's life. We are with them just as much as their family. So we're valuable to them. We have to uphold that. Like we're really valuable to these children. If their parents are saying that they're coming home and talking about us, cause they're serious. We're with them like all the time. So this one child, he ended up telling me because he had built that trust with me. He said, you know why I act like this? And I said, why? He said, you know, my cousin, I talk about all the time. I said, yes. He said, well, I've been sleeping under the bed. I'm tired. And I said, why? He said, because I have to sleep in a room every night. And that's the room that he got killed and shot in. And I'm like, wow, this is why he has been clowning. But this is the reality of our life. This is the reality of 2020. This is our reality. What are we going to do about it? We have to have people that is trained and put into place to deal with children like this. Because I took the time to communicate with this child, because I time to spend it with him, this same kid, data proven, data proven. This boy went up 30 points on the Illinois state test because the confidence, that trust, that rapport I had with him. We can build up every single person, every single child. And we can come in contact with you. I promise you, we can make a difference because I told him I believe in him and I'm not going to go anywhere. And I talk to him as if he's my own child, not just him, every child in their class. And they call each other brothers and sisters because it's a home environment. When you come in a classroom, it's, it's welcome to our home. It's a big sign. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I'm just a little worried about our, our kids and where they're going and why that leadership is not doing anything about this. So. You're going to just keep letting our kids go down and, you know, I'm just worried about special ed right now. And I'm worried about the educators that's going to have to deal with this next, because if these classrooms and this, this special ed side is filled up, do they know how to deal with this? Are they equipped to deal with this? And then I also need the training to come in. I need you to differentiate. Is this a behavioral problem <laughs> or this is something really, really wrong? And then the next step after you question yourself, well, who can I ask next? Who is the next resource? How can I reach out? But do not just write a paper trail on our kids. It's not okay. And I'm very worried. I don't have anything else to say after that because you, <laughs> you just really laid it all out there. When we talk about like the state of affairs in black education or the state of Special, edu special education in Black America, I think you just laid it all out and you left us with a lot of stuff to think about. And I definitely think that that's a topic we can explore in a part two later on. Like that's that <laughs> nice. state of special education. So 
Thank you for coming, Miss Lindsay. Thank you for sharing your story. Everything that you've done, it it was, it is, and it always will be worth it. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Black Educators Matter. Remember, make excellence equitable and thank a Black teacher today. <laughs>